Good evening. I'm Rick Cottom. Welcome to Your Maryland. On a hot day at the end of August 1814, as he sailed triumphantly down the Potomac at the head of a victorious British fleet, Admiral Sir Alexander Cochrane thought about what he would do next. Behind him, smoke still rose from what remained of the President's house and the U.S. Capitol. Aboard his transports, men who had defeated Napoleon in Spain joked about how fast American militia could run. On the quarterdeck, Sir Alexander wondered what to do about Baltimore. It was, he thought, the most democratic town and the richest in the Union. It had also built the privateers that so far had captured 500 British ships. Deciding he would either burn it to the ground or impose a devastating ransom, he compared Baltimore to dogs. Like spaniels, he said, they must be treated with great severity before you even make them tractable. It was high time, though, to be out of the Chesapeake. Yellow fever had scourged the British fleet the year before, something he didn't want to repeat, however much that nest of pirates beckoned. He turned down the bay toward the sea, intending to sail north and surprise Rhode Island for a month or two until the fever passed. Then he'd be back for a quick visit before heading south to take New Orleans and end this war. In Baltimore, they knew Cochrane was coming for them sooner or later, and they resigned themselves to the fact that he would win. The British were too many, too well-armed, too well-disciplined, and too hardened by experience. They had easily routed the Americans at Bladensburg, and now that army was scattered to the winds. What chance did the city have? But some in Baltimore weren't ready to give up just yet. General Samuel Smith took over the city's defense. John Stricker, head of the Baltimore militia, rallied to his side. They asked Washington for money to pay for their defense, and when the government replied it didn't have much to spare, Baltimore bankers advanced more than $600,000. Individual citizens chipped in more money, loads of hay, beef cattle, and barrels of flour. By the thousands, they rose at dawn and dug earthworks on the west side and on Hampstead Hill. From Virginia and Pennsylvania, fresh troops came in to help. Down at Fort McHenry, the cornerstone of the city's defenses, Major George Armistead drilled his gunners and sent for the huge flag he'd bought the year before. It cost $405.90 and measured 30 by 42 feet. When the British came, Armistead and his fort would be both visible and ready. Somewhere near Tangier Island, Sir Alexander changed his mind. No one knows why, but suddenly, frighteningly, the British fleet was beating its way back north. Annapolis panicked as the wave of sail passed, but Cochrane wasn't interested in them. At 2 a.m. on September 12th, his infantry put ashore at North Point, and that afternoon, a few miles up the peninsula, they attacked. Stricker and his militia held them off for two hours until a last furious charge broke the American line. This time, though, the militia didn't scatter. They fell back and regrouped behind the fortifications their neighbors had dug. The next day, to help his army, Cochrane sent in his bomb ships to destroy Fort McHenry. All through a rain-swept day and night, they poured fire and destruction from just beyond the reach of McHenry's guns. Armistead's men could only grit their teeth and bear it. Above them, the great flag defiantly stirred in a wet breeze, but everyone knew it wouldn't be enough. The fort would surely fall. Baltimore's darkest hour had arrived. Yet the next morning, September 14th, Cochrane gave the order to retire. His infantry grumbled, and his frigate captains pleaded for permission to sail in close and blast Fort McHenry to bits. But by now, Cochrane had decided it wasn't worth the trouble. Baltimore might not burn this season, but there were other American ports to destroy. 
Cochrane set a course for New Orleans. As swiftly as they had come, the British sailed away, leaving behind a stunned city, a huge oversized flag, and a Georgetown lawyer inspired to capture this stirring, unbelievable moment in a poem. 